0: Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransombello. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. I think we did a teaching before on the book of Hebrews, but not extensively as touching all the chapters of Hebrews. But uh, we just touched a few chapters in Hebrews And I think we're going to take time much later to um, explain the book of Hebrews so we understand the context and the the background of which the writer wrote um, the book of Hebrews. Uh, We call the book of Hebrews the Transfiguration Epistle, which means that um, the epistle exalts Jesus Christ above every other thing that stands alongside with Jesus. So, how many of us remember what happened on the mountain of transfiguration? Where you have Jesus, and then you have, uh, who were the people by his side? Moses and and who? Moses and Elijah. Moses uh, symbolizing the law. Elijah symbolizing the prophets. And we also said in the context of the second coming of Jesus That Moses symbolizes The dead in Christ And Elijah symbolizes The Living in Christ Because Elijah never died Yeah And if you, if you remember When Jesus was talking about The, uh, the uh, Transfiguration experience He said that There are certain things about his death And His coming that He wants to reveal. Or certain things about His coming that He wants to reveal. So, when the transfiguration happened... You can do that. Don't worry about that. Please, go back. It's not time for that now. I'm already talking here. So, keep it behind. They will see the vision from back. Now is the wrong time to do that. So, we said that... um, the dead in Christ and the living in Christ will be taken up together while Jesus comes, forming the entirety of the body of Christ. And we also said that the body of Christ is not necessarily those who you can see right now or those who are alive, but it's including those who are already dead, who believed in Christ, and those who will still come in the future to believe in Christ. Some people call them the elect. And we had an argument. Um, well, I won't say an argument. I just put a question out there to you saying what your opinion is about the, the, dis- the discussion on the election and free will. You know, if um, salvation of mankind was by election or if salvation of mankind was by free will. In simpler terms, what I mean is, did you give your life to Christ because you wanted to? Or was it foreordained that you will? So that's, there are many scriptures in the Bible that supports the two of them, but some scriptures support more than the other one. And um, it's very, the two of them work opposite. Because if you talk about election, election does not include free will. What I mean to say is when God foreordained that you are going to be saved despite you and in spite of you, it means that your free will had nothing to do with your salvation. And on the other hand, it, it, it also says when you look at free will that you were saved because you chose to say to, you chose to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. So the discussion of free will and um, election is quite complex. You know we can argue about it. It's is, is a very controversial issue that has been on for decades. You know a lot of theologians have their positions about the matter. Um, scripture says that uh, about, for example, on election now. You did not choose me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you might bear fruit. And the Bible also says no man comes to God except the Spirit draws him. So the question is, are there a specific set of people that um, God has chosen before the foundation of the world, which the Bible calls the elect? Because the meaning of the word church is called the ecclesia, which means the elect, the called out ones. So, do you wake up one day to decide to give your life to Christ? Is that really what happened without um, um, the influence of foreknowledge or the election? You get what I'm saying? So, it's quite a controversial topic. But back to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is called the Transfiguration Ep- Epistle because it exalts Jesus above every other thing. It exalts Jesus um, in in contrast to Moses. Exalts Jesus in contrast to the angels. Um, it exalts, exalts Jesus in contrast to the Levitical priesthood. Um, uh, it exalts him in contrast to Joshua. That's why in chapter one or chapters one, two, three, four, you see where the writer of Hebrews is talking about, um, Joshua. He's talking about the angels. Concerning the angels, he says, which of the angels have I said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The only person he did that to was Jesus. So he never did that to any of, um, the angels. Meaning that Jesus is superior to the angels. You follow? Okay. Um, Then also, he comes to Moses. He says that Moses is just a servant in the house. But Jesus is the one in charge of the house. So it exalts Jesus above Moses. Also talking about the fact that Moses is the mediator of um, a faulty covenant. But Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant. So Hebrews exalts Jesus above Moses. Uh, Moses. Then also about, um, about Joshua in Hebrews chapter 4, where the Bible begins to talk about how Joshua led the children of Israel into Canaan. And he says that there is the one Jesus who is coming that will take us to the place of rest. And not the rest that Joshua led the children of Israel to, but to a better rest, which remains for the people of God. Do you remember? So, um, Jesus is also exalted above who? Joshua. Then we also talked about um, the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood of which they were the tribe of Israel, or one of the tribes of Israel that... um, God had chosen to form the symbol of the principles of worship in the Old Covenant. And the Bible makes us realize that Jesus did not come from the Levitical order, but he came from what tribe? Judah. Judah. Jesus came from Judah. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Judah. So Jesus is from Judah. And if you are a priest, you have to be from Levi. But Jesus didn't come from Levi because he wants to counter what Levi does. So, he comes from Judah. And, and the Bible relates uh, the relationship between Jesus' priesthood and the priest who is called Melchizedek in the Bible. Yeah? I'm giving you a, a brief sum, summary of, <clears throat> of the book of Hebrews. So, um, Melchizedek is the man who blesses Abraham. After Abraham went to fight a battle... And he was on his way back after he received the spoil of the victory. And the Bible says that Abraham paid tithe to Melchizedek. And Levi, who was going to be a priest, who was a grandson in the loins of Abraham, also paid tithe to Melchizedek. So that means as Abraham was paying tithe to Melchizedek, Levi, the unborn child or the unborn grandson, was also paying tithe to Melchizedek. Yeah. So, But scripture talks about the fact that there is no record of the birth and the death of Melchizedek. Speaking of the supremacy of his priesthood um, in contrast to that of the Levites. So um, it tells us that Jesus is of the order of Melchizedek. Which means that he is a priest who lives forever. Do you understand that? So, Jesus is superior to Levi. Or to the Levites. So, the... um, uh, Can you help me shut that door, please? The, The book of Hebrews is a transfiguration epistle. Because it exalts Jesus above every other person. Did you get it? Okay, so, there's a background story... Of Hebrews chapter twelve, which I want you to see. Um, Hebrews chapter twelve says, "Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us." Uh, You know, when a man is about to die. Usually, if he knows he's going to die, there's going to be specific words that he will say. Something you can capture and lay hold on, that these were his dying words. You know what I'm saying? These words are special, because these were the last things he said. But there are some people who die um, (laughs) Impromptu. There are some people who die on emergency. (laughs) Or there are some people who die untimely. Let's put it that way. You know. And they have no plan as to the fact that they need to prepare for their death. Because they don't know they are going to die. So after they are gone, what you probably do is to put their lives together. And put their words together. And summarize it just bring everything from pieces and, you know, talk about what the person's life was all about. If you're going to write a documentary about the person or whatever it is, you bring the person's life together in bits and pieces, not directly what he said about himself. Amen. Um, But uh, Paul, Paul knew he was going to die. Paul knew he saw his death coming and there were certain things that he said Before he died. And this was his view of Christianity. You know. um, Let me show you some scriptures. 7 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7. 7 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7. Now he says that I have fought a good fight of faith. Or I have fought a good fight. I have finished my cause. I have kept the faith. So he says, I have kept what? Kept the faith. Paul says that I have fought. Somebody said fought. Oh, he fought. So his view about Christianity is not um, Christianity that doesn't involve fighting. You know, Paul had a view of Christianity that... Um, is about fighting and running. You know, Paul's understanding of Christianity is there is a race to run and there is a fight to fight. There's a race you have to run and there's a fight you have to fight. The fight is not fighting demons. Of course, we already know. If you don't know that, then you've not been too long in TSP. You are still before the cross. We don't, we don't, we don't fight demons. We don't, we don't fight enemies. We resist. Who knows the difference between fight and resist? To resist is to stand. But to fight is to have whatever the... (laughs) Exactly. Whatever the outcome of the fight will be is going to determine if you will stand or not. But you are already standing. So that means a fight had taken place. You understand that? So we are not fighting. That's why Jesus said, it is finished. There is no fight left for you. Pastor Adil just said that we are more than conquerors because we conquer nothing. Jesus has done it all. All you do is you stand on your victory. You stand on your existing victory. Galatians 5 verse 1 says, stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. So you stand. So to resist means that you are not supposed to fight. In fact, the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 12 down, that the Bible describes you should put on, is not for you to fight. You are meant to put on the whole armor that you may withstand, that you may stand. So you're wearing the armor to stand. As a policeman. (laughs) You're wearing the armor to exercise authority. To stand. So you're not wearing the armor to fight. Praise the Lord. And to fight means that you are standing on the same platform. There's a 50-50 chance of who could win the fight. But to resist means that you are standing on a higher pedestal or you are standing on a higher platform and you are standing against the devil. That gives you a superiority complex over Satan. In fact, let me take away the complex. It gives you superiority, mentality over Satan. So the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And he will flee. Praise the Lord. So, Paul doesn't understand a Christianity that is not about running or is not about fighting. He doesn't know about a Christianity that is about coasting, chilling. You know, chilling Christianity, (laughs) cruising Christianity, just chilling, you know, floating and swaggering by the waves. No. No. Paul's idea of Christianity is there is a fight and there is a race to run. So, this fight is a fight of your faith. Because there will be times in your life where your confidence in God will be tried. In fact, many times. And there are some that will hit you very hard. So, you should know that the battle is not about what you think the fight is about. The battle is about your confidence in God. That's what the battle is about. We're going to get there. Praise the Lord. So, That's the way Paul sees his life. And he also sees the believers' life that way. We can see that in First Timothy six verse twelve. First Timothy chapter six verse twelve. First Timothy, Timothy chapter six verse twelve. It says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life Whereunto thou art also called Where are we? Confusing me man Fight the good fight of faith Lay hold on eternal life To which you were also called And have confessed the good confession In the presence of many witnesses Okay so this is Paul's view Of the Christians um, Life Yep So, let me give you a brief history also of Hebrews chapter 12. Now, Hebrews chapter 12. Not the entire book of Hebrews, but Hebrews chapter 12. Okay? Um, Before he got to this point in Hebrews chapter 12, the people were battling the tendency to coast. You know what I mean? To get tired? Because it's been a long time. Their faith in Christ was gingered their zeal for the Lord was ginger. It's been a while. So Paul is dealing with that. And time had also passed since they were fired up for Jesus. Let's see Hebrews chapter 10 verse 32. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 32. This is, but recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. He's saying, remember those days where when you went through sufferings, you were still fervent. But now, something small happens and you're shaken. That's our story sometimes. Sometimes, the battle we fought and overcame, if those same things come now, they will sweep us off our feet. Because the fervency in which you are you are running and fighting now is not the same fervency that you once had before so paul is talking to a group of people who have waned over time who have platoed over time that's who he's talking to let's see hebrews chapter 5 verse 12 5 verse 12 it says For though by this time you ought to be teachers. You ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. That's what he's saying. That right now is a time where you're meant to be teaching. Now, let me address some of you. There are some of you who are meant to have become teachers of the word. Okay? I'm addressing all of us now as um, leaders, potential pastors, potential evangelists, potential apostles, potential teachers, potential, what again? Ministers, I said evangelists, pastors, prophets. This one is what? This is what? Why are you guys scared? This is what? The apostle? No. The prophet? This? The evangelist? What's this? It's still the same, eh? (laughs) The pastor? Yeah, the married finger, okay. This? The teacher. the teacher. The long finger, the evangelist, the one who reaches out the most. That's a good way to for, for you to remember. This one that points the prophet, the apostle, the big thumb that touches everything. Yeah? Uh, uh, then this one. It <laughs> can enter the ear, the teacher, right? Amen. So, he says that... Okay, I'm saying to all of you that... Um, There are some of you who are meant to have been this. And there are some of you who are meant to have been ministers of the gospel. But you are still stuck somewhere. You are still stuck. There are some of you, your life can tell a story. In fact, the amount of grace you have is so much that if you release yourself to the working of the Spirit, you will be a minister by what will diffuse out of you. By virtue of experience. But you have held back. You have stayed stuck with your experience. You've stayed stuck with your life. And you can't teach. You can't admonish. You can't exalt. You can't preach. You see. So, I'm speaking to all of you that you must realize God wants you to move on. And not be feeble. He wants you to be expressive in your ministry. Amen. Amen. So, it says, just keep the scripture there. Just make sure the scripture is always there. So, Paul is saying that you are meant to have been teaching others. But you still need people to teach you. And that's a problem. Which means you're not growing. You're always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You see that? So he's saying, for everyone who partakes only of milk... No, no, no. Go back to verse uh, 12. Verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, teachers now, don't limit this to just preaching in church. You know, God wants you to be a teacher to anybody you meet to your immediate neighbor he wants you to be a teacher yeah so you need someone to teach you again what does this mean this tells us that in the first place the word again it means that you need to be taught what you were taught so you have forgotten you have forgotten so quickly What you used to know. And then also much more that you need to know. So I want to challenge every one of us that you must not stay stuck in your Christian life. You must make progress this year. I agree. agree. Amen. Amen. You must make progress in your faith, in your Christian life. Because there is an expectation. Your faith has to be perfected. Does that make sense to you? You know we said something about that on Sunday. Perfection of the love of God. It has to be completed. There's a goal that is attached to your faith. So your faith has to be perfected. So he says that you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk. And not solid food means that you were growing before. You were taking milk, you were growing, and after a while, you, you just stalled. You got stuck somewhere and getting stuck, we have to start the process all over again. Can I advise you, don't circumvent, don't, 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 don't start your process all over again. Okay, Some of us are going through what we're going through because God wants to teach you from the process. He wants to teach you from the process. So don't start it all over again. Praise the Lord. Okay, so some even in that time when the writer wrote this, he was talking to some people who were even losing their faith. It was beginning to look like the faith they had initially was a fake one. They had tasted the great powers. They had witnessed the move of the Holy Spirit. And then they slipped into apostasy. So, the writer is writing on those set of people as well. So, he commends us to be strengthened and for us to forge on, forge ahead, run the race, and fight the good fight of faith. Your spiritual life needs to pick up. Needs to pick up. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12. Let me show you scripture there. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12. So, it says, Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Receive strength on your knees to pray. Receive strength in your hands to hold responsibilities. In the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 13, and make straight path for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. This, this is for you, praise the Lord, that if there is any weakness in your spiritual life, make straight those paths. If there is any weakness in your faith, if there is any weakness in what you, you know you're meant to do, You know, as a believer, you're meant to be solid in prayers. As a believer, you're meant to be fervent in the word. Make straight those paths. Praise the Lord. Say after me: I will make straight those paths. All right. So Hebrews chapter twelve is a trumpet call to see our life as a race to be run with passion, zeal, energy. And discipline Hebrews chapter 12 is a trumpet call to ensure that you run the race with passion, with zeal, with energy, and with discipline. So he's saying, You must realize that there is a race that is set before you as a believer. You're meant to run that race, and you're meant to run, you know. When, when the track is set, there are some people who are nonchalant about their race. Those ones don't carry any price. But there are those who take their race seriously. And then they receive the price. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, you're being called, for example, for a job to do. Or you're being called for a contract to do. And there is a certain amount of money they're going to give you, maybe millions of naira. That's the incentive to achieving the goal of that contract. It somehow builds zeal for you to do what the objective of that contract is. Is that correct? You know, and, and even your salary at the end of the month, it, 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 sometimes you're, you're being taxed to do something very strenuous. But when you remember, <laughs> I'm going to be paid, it just settles the problem at that time. Those are incentives, right? Now, I want you to know that when God set the race before you, He didn't set an aimless race. And He also put incentives on your path that will strengthen you, that will motivate you to run the race. Say after me, I will finish my race. I want to say with passion, "I I will finish my race. Okay. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. There are a lot of people who started and didn't finish. A lot of people who started and didn't finish. It's not about the starting, it's about the finishing. You see, where the Bible talks about bearing fruit in old age, it's talking about you being fervent even while you're getting to the tail end of your life. There are some people who just play two and then begin to go steep down. But that's not our portion. So, Hebrews chapter 12 is a trumpet call. Wake up! Wake up! Your zeal, your passion, your energy, your fervency. Wake it up. Wake it up. For the day is fast spent, the night is coming, and therefore you have to wake up your zeal, your passion for the work of God. Now, um, in the human dimension, the secular world, we have a lot of goals that we want to achieve for ourselves. And there are incentives that man has set before us. And these are the things that we work for. Okay? You are in your workplace. You work for a salary. Many of you have a different attitude to your workplace compared to that of church. But it's because you don't see the race clearly that God has set before you. That's why. It should be the reverse. It should be the opposite. Now, um, Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1. Okay, you know what? Let's go to 11. The last two verses in 11. The last two verses in 11. I think... uh, Yeah, 39 and 40. All right. Go to verse 38. They wandered in in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. Well, Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Hall of Faith. It's called the Hall of Faith. The Hall of Faith. The Hall of Faith. Faith. Where you see people who, who finished their race. They were outlined in Scripture. You have, who was an who was in? um Who's there? We have Moses there. We have um, Joshua there. We have Sarah there. We have. Let's let's just do a a, a, a quick rundown, okay? Let's do a quick rundown. Uh, is it? Uh, let's start from. Is it seven or where? Seven or eight or where? Or ten or where? I want us to just do a quick rundown, okay? Ten here. Yeah. Ten. Okay, 17. Let's do 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Uh, he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son. Let's move. Of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Let's move on. Concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead. From blah, blah, blah. Let's move on. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Let's move on. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worship, leaning on the top of the air. Let's move on. This is the hall of faith. You see the, uh, the old patriarchs of faith being mentioned. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Let's move on. Verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents. Because, uh, let's move on. By faith, Moses, when he became age, refused. You see, faith is not only, I receive it in Jesus' name. Faith is not just faith to receive. Faith is faith to also refuse. Right? Mm. So, by faith, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. There are many things that we need to refuse. Is that correct? Yes. We, there, see, ah, oh goodness, I just feel the anointing now. Die. There are many things we need to refuse. You need to refuse what life has called you. By faith. You need to refuse the label that you have been tagged by faith. Is that correct? Yes. By faith you need to refuse all that Satan has said is you. Edosa, come stay here with me. By faith, you need to refuse. There are many things to refuse. There are many things you can refuse. Somebody say, by faith. Yes. Okay, so let's move on. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. By faith, he has esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. He's still talking about Moses. Let's move on. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing. You see, the faith to refuse, faith to say no, faith to say no. Somebody's receiving that grace now. Amen. Faith to say, I am not going to be called this. I am not going to be this. You know, you have to you have to refuse some things that are your experiences and accept what is your position. Praise the Lord. So for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. No, no, no. Go back, go back. Sorry. Something just came. Now, you see what Moses did? Moses rejected what was visible and he accepted what was invisible. What tells you? The eyes of faith. The eyes of faith. He was able to see that this is not who I am. Even though all his life was about being um, raised by Pharaoh's daughter, he became a prince in Egypt and he was a commander in Egypt. He, He enjoyed the decadence of Egypt. Well, He was coasting. But when he realized that there was a race to be run, and there was a fight to fight by faith, he chose to reject what was visible and accept what is invisible. Hallelujah. So there are some things that we're going to reject this year. Even in the face of glaring evidence, we're going to say, this is not me, and I am not going to take it. I will not take no for an answer on this. I stand my ground. Amen. Amen. All right, let's let's keep moving. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he would dis- he would be destroyed. Oh, let's move on. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea. Now, the children of Israel, yeah, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Remember where we said that um, you have the grace to leap over a wall, and someone who is chasing you does not know the grace you're carrying. He wants to leap with you. He's going to drown. You get that? So let's move on. Verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Let's move on. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Let's move on. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah also of David and Samuel and the prophets. Verse 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, walked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions. We're going to do this in our time. Amen. 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 You have your race to run and you are going to win as these people won. You're going to, by faith, have a testimony that you have fought the good fight of faith. You have finished. The most important thing is that you will finish. That's the most important thing, that you have to finish your course. Very important. Okay? Verse 34. Now, quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness, we're made strong. I like that part. Out of weakness. Who is experiencing weakness here? Is there something about your life that is a little bit weak? Me. I'm number one here. For those of you who are very perfect, praise God for you. Amen. Amen. Let's do it again. Who is expressing weakness in some area? Now, the Bible says, out of that weakness will come forth something strong. Amen. Do you remember the um, parable of Samson? It says, out of the strong came something sweet. When he killed the lion on his way to marry the f- stranger. <laughs> and when they were going back to do the proper wedding... Um, There was honey in the carcass of the lion. And then he brought out honey from the lion. So he told those people, I have a parable for you guys. That out of something strong, came out something sweet. Out of something strong that was too tough for you. There's sweetness coming out of it. Amen. Amen. So let's go. Out of weakness remained strong, became valiant in battle. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Those things that are not part of your destiny, you're going to turn to flight those things. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's move on. Verse 35. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Woo! Look at this. Better resurrection. Keep that in mind. Let's move on. Verse 36. Still others had trial. Of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. Some of us have not even been here and we're tired. But people who went through this thing, the Bible says that you have not even strived to bloodshed. You have not resisted to bloodshed yet. And then you're complaining. You're tired. You're floundering. Slap your neighbor a high five, say, Wake up. <laughs> Wake up. Wake up! Wake up. Still, others had trials of mockings and scourgings. You know, Paul boasted with his stripes. Paul says, um, You see, by, by many beatings I've been approved as an apostle. <laughs> I'm telling you. By, by many beatings, by imprisonments, this is the way I have been attested as a, by shipwrecks, by snake bites. I've been proven as an apostle. There's a race for you to run. Be fervent in your race. There's a ministry for you to fulfill. Be fervent in it. Praise the Lord. Okay, so let's move on. Verse 37. They were stoned. They were sawn into. My goodness. A human being. You tear him into two. You know that those who said they wanted to identify with Jesus, uh, they, they were, Jesus said to them, Can you drink of the cup that I'm about to drink? And you know what Jesus finally told them? He says, indeed you will. And after he died, many years later, when the apostles were to die, many of them died in worse ways. Andrew was crucified. No, like an X. There was a cross that was like an X. That's the way Andrew was killed. Peter was crucified upside down. John, the beloved, was put in hot oil, but didn't die. And then he was taken um, to the island of Patmos. Praise the Lord. When I see my father, our father, Bishop Bello, you see, when that man, whenever I look at him, he reminds me of the Matthias of those days. I was born in Kano, grew up in Kano. We understand the threats that we face every day. He's a target. He's a main target. There was a day I was, I was on my way to school. No, I got to school, and my classmates were telling me that their parents have arranged for my dad to die. I was in SS1 but because we are friends you know children don't keep things so we were telling ourselves they told me that my dad's name was number 1 on the list that they had arranged to that their parents had arranged to die there was a time uh, the government had to advise my dad leave the country now so he left for 4 years and didn't come back and then my mother was the one who was holding the work of the ministry you see, women you're strong yes sir women you're strong you know, we never, we never knew that she could, but she did. Amen. Amen. You see, God will put you through a lot of things. You don't know you can do it. But you see, there's the grace that is at work in you. Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. Praise the Lord. So my dad was under attack and he never got tempted to hear the voice that God didn't say, leave Cano and do ministry because he can do ministry in profitable places. A lot of his friends went to Lagos. Some Port Harcourt, looking for money, but that's not his motivation for ministry. His motivation for that's why I honor him till tomorrow, till tomorrow. Built a 10,000 seater cathedral. We lost about 800 members in space of one year. Not die, but relocating to, you know, the southern part of Nigeria because of the trouble in town. You know, but still, he knew that God had called him to the body of Christ in Kano, and he had to stay there. And his presence will be encouragement to other ministers of the gospel and other believers who are in canon. This is someone who, he, he tells us jokingly that I'm already a dead man. So, there's nothing to fear. That's a living matiah. He reminds me of Bible days. Amen. So some of us have not even, um, we, we, we've not resisted to bloodshed yet. And we're tired in our faith. You don't even have court cases to be praying and going to prayer room for. You are still chilling, coasting, and you are not even praying. Is it until that time comes before? Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't even. Do you know what it means to be a debtor of billions of naira? You can die of heart attack the next morning. There are people who have been tested on the issue of the gospel. Who have been fought because they stood for their faith. Amen. Be that person who will stand for your faith. Praise the Lord. Now they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. Being destitute, afflicted, tormented. This is the hall of faith now we're going through. Verse 38. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains. In dens and caves. Of the earth. Verse 39. And all this having obtained a good testimony. Now watch this carefully. All this having obtained a good testimony. Through faith did not receive the promise. (laughs) You see that? All these guys. Moses, Elijah, John. All of them. None of them received the promise. Verse 40. God having provided something better for us. That they should not be made perfect apart from us. Did you see that? So even though they had obtained, uh, they had o- obtained a good report, they did not receive the promise because God was going to use us to perfect them. It, it means you remember what I said about perfection. Telaou complete that they were going to be complete because of us so it means that if we don't finish they are not complete are you seeing that because these guys are waiting for you they are eager for you to finish you have a race in front of you run and finish and if you don't want to finish for your sake finish for my sake that's what they are telling you now let's go to Hebrews chapter 12 Let's tell you, let's say what Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 calls them. It says therefore, since we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, that's who those people are. So they are called a cloud of witnesses. They are called a cloud of witness because they are a witness not because they can see you, but because you can see them. They are a witness because they are your example. That if they could finish, you can finish. And there is no circumstance, there is no, um, there is no imaginable circumstance of someone who went through a race that did not finish in scripture. You have David who was a murderer and an adulterer. He finished. He's telling you, don't worry. I did it, but I, I still finished. You can finish. Do you understand it? You had um, John the Baptist, who had a weird personality. John was not normal, but he still finished his race. You had Rahab, who was a harlot, but she still finished. You had Mary, who was a harlot, but still her name had to be mentioned in respect to the burial of Jesus. She finished. So, if you think about every circumstance, there is nothing that does not include your situation. If they finished, you can finish. Hallelujah. So, that's why I say there is a cloud of witness. There's a cloud of witness. There are people who are watching you, and all they're doing is they're cheering you on. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. You're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. You're surrounded with a cloud of witnesses. There is no situation of life that does not already have an ensample. Not even an example. Ensample. Which means a living practical example. Not a parable. So my point to you today is that there is a race in front of you. Christianity is about a race to be run and about a fight to fight. It's a fight to stay in the faith is the fight to be fervent in the faith. There are many things that will come, you know, blow your fire off, and then you begin to wane in the faith. You know, like I said earlier, you you used to you used to um, you used to be taught some things and right now you need to be taught again. Meanwhile you're meant to be teachers. Praise the Lord. So you look at your life, have you made progress spiritually? Have you made progress in your faith? Look at your life. Be very, you have to judge yourself now. Judge yourself. There are some things God has allowed you to go through. Are you making progress with those things? Are you an example to other believers by those things? Now, this is not, you know, somebody describes this race as a fall run. <laughs> He describes the race as a fall run, which means that it's not a race that you will not stumble. You will actually stumble, but if the righteous man falls, he will get up again, and he will realize that there is a race to be run, and there is a fight to fight. Let me show you Hebrews chapter 12, um, 6 verse 12. I beg your pardon. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12. It says, That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. The King James Version says, Be followers of them who through faith and patience obtain the promise. So there's an example. There are living examples for you. This is your cloud of witness. These people are your cloud of witness. So you see, God, the prophet said, Lord, open his eyes so that my servants will see that they that are with us are more than they that are with them. So many of you don't know that in your Christian walk, there are people who are accompanying you. There's a cloud of witness. There are angels. Thousands of angels following you. God has placed incentives around for you so that you finish your race. Praise the Lord. I have started mine. You have started yours. But we must finish. Amen. Amen. Say after me, I will finish. finish. Say it again, I will finish. finish. Hallelujah. I'm going to stop here. um, But this is a wake up call for those of us who are sluggish and who are dwindling in our responsibilities who are not waking up to that call. If I'm going to preach this message again, I will say it this way, that you are looking back to the witnesses, you are looking up to Jesus, and you are looking forward to the joy that is set before you. Praise the Lord. You're looking back to the witnesses, you're looking up to Jesus, and you're looking forward to the joy. The Bible says concerning Jesus who for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. So it's not, it's not a moral um, it's not a moral degradation for you to feel that there is something to look forward to. There's a joy to look forward to. No, it's okay to look forward to a joy in your race. There's nothing wrong with that. There's a crown. There's a price for it. Hallelujah. So, TSP, let's wake up in our fervency with God. You're a king and you're a priest. You have a duty before God. What does a priest do? A priest will minister in the tabernacle and fulfill the ordinances of the priesthood or the priestly ministry. And in the new covenant, what that means is that as a priest, you are meant to minister to God. You are meant to minister to God. So, your praises, your worship is the fulfilling of your priestly duties. And as a king, you are meant to take dominion of your world. So, the Bible says he has made you what? Kings and what? And priests. So, you must take your priestly ministries seriously. Your study time, your prayer time, your fighting time. When I mean fighting, I mean fighting the good fight of faith. You must take it seriously. That's your priestly ministry. It's a ministry. It's an obligation. He receives praises from those things. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm going to stop here. We'll continue next Wednesday. Um, I pray that God will give us... Thank you. I pray that God will give us the grace for fervency. The grace to run and not be weary... The Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagle. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You will not faint. Amen. You will not journey as one who is journeying in winter. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You will finish indeed. Amen. The Bible says, better is the end of a thing than the beginning. The beginning is glorious, but the end is more glorious. So you will come to the end of your ministry and you will be emptied out completely and you will say just like Paul said, I have fought the good fight of faith. I've been poured out as a drink offering. Hallelujah. So life is going to pour you out. Yeah, life is going to pour you out. And as you are being poured out, remember there is a joy to look forward to and there is a despising to do right now. I'm going to despise it. I will despise it. I will take the shame, but there is a joy that is set before me. The Bible says that the light affliction, um, your light affliction is working for you a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Light affliction. Light affliction. Receive strength in the name of Jesus. Receive grace in the name of Jesus. Receive power to fulfill your ministries. And receive grace not to be stuck as a child who still needs milk. But you will become teachers of more people that you need to teach in the name of Jesus Christ. There are teachers who are in this house listening to me. Receive grace to be a good teacher. The grace to divide the word of God skillfully. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Receive grace to have insights when you're reading your Bible. Receive grace to be a good pastor of your units, of your departments. Receive grace for your your responsibility, your departments. Receive grace for it in the name of Jesus. Receive grace to be a good evangelist. Receive grace to be a good testimony to people. You will obtain a good testimony and you obtain the promise in the name of Jesus. For we are encompassed by a great cloud of witness. You will not slow down in your race. You will finish your fight in the name of Jesus Christ. You will stand strong in the day of battle. The Bible says that if you fail in the day of battle, it's not that the battle is strong, but it's that your strength is weak. You will not be weary when it comes to your fight. You will be strong in the name of Jesus. For it's not by your power, it's by his spirit, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Clap your hands. give them. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash StandpointABJ, twitter.com slash StandpointABJ, instagram.com StandpointABJ, and on soundcloud.com StandpointABJ.